To say that someone has daddy issues is a somewhat rude and humiliating way of alluding to a very understandable longing for a father who is strong and wise, who is judicious, kind, perhaps at points tough, but always fair and ultimately always on our side. It would be so understandable if we were to feel we wanted someone like this in our lives, especially at moments of confusion and chaos. The longing for a strong father has been a recurring theme throughout history. Most religions have conceived of their central divinities as male parents. In ancient Greece, Zeus was described as the father of men and gods. In Christianity, God was the heavenly father. In Germanic mythology, Odin was the all-father, the father of all other gods. The longing has been no less present in secular culture. In the US, the individuals who led the War of Independence and drew up the Constitution came to be known as the Founding Fathers. Garibaldi, the dignified and authoritative man who fought for the unification of Italy in the 19th century, earned himself the title of the Father of the Fatherland. In early childhood, we are all immensely weak and in need of protection. We can't understand the world. We're so fragile, we could be killed by a moderately sized dog. So much feels mysterious and outside of our control. A hunger for a daddy is, in the circumstances, wholly natural. A grown man inevitably and rightly seems immensely impressive to a small child. They appear to know everything. The capital of New Zealand, how to drive a car, how to say a few words in a foreign language, how to peel an avocado. They go to bed mysteriously late. They're up before you. In the swimming pool, you can put your arms around their neck and rest on their back. They once kicked a football so high, you nearly couldn't see it. It's beyond astonishing when one is four. The paradox of daddy issues is that those who have them are almost always people who didn't have very good fathers when they were small. Perhaps one's father was strong, but ultimately cruel, bullying or disinterested. Perhaps he was more concerned with another sibling or with his work. Perhaps he wasn't around much, left the house after a divorce or died young. The adult longing for a father is not the result of having had a good father in childhood. It's a consequence of abandonment. The longing can incline us to some tricky patterns of behaviour. However mature and sceptical we may be in most areas, in relation to the idea of male protection, we remain a little like the young child we once were and haven't been allowed to mature away from. We secretly yearn for a man to step in and fulfil an unquenched fantasy role. They'll take charge. They'll make the big decisions. They'll be tough and certain to make our problems go away. They'll make sure the money side of things is sorted. They'll get angry and aggressive with anyone who hurts us. They'll be proud of us and love us as we are. We'll be looking out for daddies in friendships, at work, and not least in politics. The danger is that these daddies may, in the end... Whoa, today is about to be crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday. The Voice of Reason has returned to KBLA Talk 1580. Tavis Smiley has something magical happening over here. And I'm going to tell you right now, 7 to 9 p.m., That uh, a lot of magic happens between those hours. We're about to get busy. We have an amazing topic tonight with an amazing guest. But this person is more than just a, a, a random guest. This person is a friend. This is somebody that I've been rocking with 
since the days of Jamie Foxx's Foxhole Radio on Sirius XM Satellite. We have been friends ever since. And I'm just really excited that he was able to tap in. Before I bring him in, let me tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Mark Goulston, author of the international best-selling book, Just Listen. He is a Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches member and Coaches Entrepreneur, CEO, Chairs, and Managing Directors to become the best version of themselves. He is also an international keynote speaker, helping audiences to do the same. Originally a UCLA professor of psychiatry for over 25 years and a former FBI and police hostage negotiator trainer, he trains negotiators. Dr. Mark Goulston's expertise has been forged and proven in the crucible of real-life high-stake situations. He is the author or co-author of nine books with his book, Just Listen, being translated into 28 languages and becoming the top book on listening in the world. In the world. Okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure I said in the world. The number one book on listening in the world. He is the host of the highly rated podcast, My Wake Up Call, and the co-host of Out of Our Minds and In Your Space on Twitter Spaces, which is a mashup of creatives and thinkers. This is my brother, my friend, former co-host of the Zo What Morning Show, Dr. Mark Goulston, welcome, my brother. So how am I supposed to live up to all that? (laughs) Man, everybody's been asking me, where's Dr. G? When is Dr. G coming on? So now's the time, brother. Now's the time. Well, I I am glad to be on because uh, we are like brothers, and uh, I, uh, I am honored to call you. I'm honored to call myself your friend, and um, I'm glad to be on, and uh, uh, and especially with this topic. Uh, right out of the gate, though, I, you, one of the things uh, uh, that I'm telling people to do, or suggesting they do, I watched this documentary that's nobody's seen on Mr. Rogers. It's called Mr. Rogers and Me. It's none of the famous ones, and someone did a documentary, and one of the things I took away from that is... What he said was, be deep and simple as opposed to shallow and complex. Mm. 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 Because when you're deep and simple, people can wrap their hands around it. When you're shallow and complex, meaning you're all over the place, it's too complicated, and people smile at gears in the headlights and don't do anything. So I want to start out with something that will lead into my view of the daddy issue. Might I do that? Absolutely, brother. Go ahead. So this is something you and other people might want to write down. Uh, And I'm a psychiatrist, so I've tried to simplify what is mental and emotional strength. And here's the definition. And I'm actually doing a pilot program with the military and veterans built on this single definition. Mental and emotional strength is your ability to modify your immediate internal reaction to anything life throws at you so that your response to it in your mind and back out at life is constructive instead of destructive. Mm. 
Mm. And so, and part of what a daddy and a mom is supposed to do is they're supposed to be able to do something that helps you to modify your internal immediate reaction to whatever life throws at you so that you can take the hit without doing something destructive to others or yourself and then be able to somehow pause and choose a response that works. So I want, to, I want to give you an example from the sports world. It's one of my favorite examples. Um, in 1997, Tiger Woods is playing in the Masters tournament as a pro, his first time there as a pro, and he shoots 40 on the front nine, which is not a good score. Mm-hmm. And he had a good relationship with Earl at that time, his dad. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and Earl was not an absent father. He was not an abusive father. He's what I would call a loving teacher-mentor-coach. Mm-hmm. And, and so what happened is when you have that kind of father, a teacher-mentor-coach, and you internalize it, it allows you to reach inside when you hit adversity and take the hit. So he goes back to Earl after nine holes, and he says, I don't know what's happening. The wheels are spinning off. And so what happened is Earl listens to him. He takes the hit with him. He pauses and he says, Tiger, you've been here thousands of times before. Just do, just go out there and do what you need to do. And Tiger shoots 18 under par for the remainder of the tournament, which has never been equal until a couple of years ago. But even then, Dustin Johnson didn't shoot 40 in the front nine. So I think that's a great model that what happened is, is and Tiger has been able to turn inward and come up with what champions come up with, which is heart. Mm. Steph, Steph Curry has a lot of that from his family. Mm. When he reaches inside, he comes up with heart. And heart is different than anger. You know, when life throws something at you and you come up with heart, you end up with focus and determination. But when you don't have that, you end up angry. Mm. So is any of that making any sense to you? It's making a lot of sense. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Voice of Reason. His good friend, Dr. Mark Goulston, is on the line. My goodness, did you hear what he said? Fathers teach you how to take a hit, and they also take the hit with you. Oh, Lord. Oh, geez. Listen, can you explain to us really quickly before we come to our first intermission? Can you explain to us, Dr. G, what exactly is a father wound? What exactly is it? So a father wound is usually passed on by a wounded father. Mm -hmm. And. And so what happens is when you step out into the unknown, which we're all doing all the way through life from, uh, uh, from first breath, from, uh, uh, from uh, walking, uh, 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 crawling to walking, we're always stepping out in the unknown. And when we fall down, we look back at our parents and what we want to, what we want from them is that Earl Woods response, which is a teacher, mentor, coach that looks at you that says you can make it through this. So you're there playing t-ball or you're playing football or whatever, and you fall down and you look over at your, your parents and they're not, you know, 
babbling on their cell phones. They're focused on you. They're, they're not just showing up to talk to other parents and ignoring you when you fall down and hit a home run. And so you look over at them uh, when you fall down, and, and that look says, am I going to be okay? Mm-hmm. And because of that relationship, you know, you can just smile at them with a smile that says, you're going to be okay, hang in there. Uh, or if you get a home run, they look at you and say, did I do good? And you smile at them with all this pride. But if you look at them, and first of all, they're not there because they didn't show up, or they get angry at you, or they get angry at someone else, you know, which isn't going to help you, you know, that's not very good to internalize. But wounded fathers aren't able to give you what they never got. Does that, make, does that make sense? Yes, 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 yes. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to The Voice of Reason on KBLA Talk 1580. When I come forward, more with the amazing Dr. Mark Goulston, Daddy Wounds. Reasons. The reasons that we're here, the reasons that we fear, our feelings will disappear. disappear. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Zoe Williams on KBLA Talk 1580. And I am him, Zoe Williams. You know how we do. Tonight's topic is a doozy. How does the father wound affect our adult relationships? My good friend, Dr. Mark Goulston, is in the building right now. And we're discussing this father wound issue. What is a toxic father wound? How can our daddy issues distort slash corrupt our relationship expectations? How does the father wound affect us overall as adults? Can a father abandon us while still being present in our lives? True or false? Father wounded women have self-esteem issues. True or false, a good father leads his children by leading with his flaws. 1-800-920-1580. What's crazy, Dr. Goulston, somebody by the name of Paul has called in. He's a restaurant owner, and he says he's your friend, and he would like to say hello. Would you like to say hello to Paul, Doc? Sure. All right, Paul, get in here. Oh, shoot. Hey, uh, uh, Zoe, great job. I uh, love listening to the show. Mark, it's Paul Tyler from John O'Groats. Paul? Oh. Yep. Now, Paul, uh, it, Paul, Paul had a great uh, a dad who founded John O'Groats, this great restaurant in West L.A., still going strong right near uh, Rancho Park. But can you talk a little bit about your dad and uh, – how he believed in you, how he supported you, how he uh, he allowed you to try some of those kind of crazy adolescent things you were going to try, and he he was there for you because you, you had a great dad, and he had a great son, and I think it's 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 added to your restaurant being this iconic restaurant in West Los Angeles. Well, thanks, Mark. That's it means all everything in the world for you to say that to me right now. Um, I will say this. I, I became a friend of the station in Tavis a little while back, and we've been hosting the Office of the Week for a little bit. And uh, I listen to the station every once in a while. And, uh, yeah, my dad, uh, my dad's the person that taught me how to be a man. Hmm. Um, I had, I was, I just uh, honored the other day bestowed upon me by this organization near my home. 
And uh, I had the opportunity to talk about the influence my dad left on me. And he was, you know what? He was my stepfather. Mm. And he, mm. and as my mom will always say, any man can be a father, but it takes a special man to be a dad. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And that's who he was to me, man. He just, you know, he came to all my football games. He paid for me to go to a great university and a great high school. He sacrificed a lot for us. He worked 80 hours a week. You know, he taught me the value of working for my family and taking responsibility. Uh, he came into our lives when we needed him most. My mom was a single parent. She was basically a mother lioness, and we were her cubs. And uh, he came into our lives, and he raised us. I have an older brother, brother Carl. If you remember, he's quadriplegic. Uh, you know, Mark, he started the restaurant with my mom. It was just a 20 seat counter. They worked hard and they gave, they built a foundation for me to create something bigger on. And that's the platform I have to be able to communicate with my friends here at KBLA and, and other avenues of my life to help other people. And he showed me that I, I can't, this is the most incredible thing that I get to talk about my dad on the radio man paul we appreciate you, you man we appreciate yeah, paul, you sharing can you give, can you give yeah, an example of how he taught you values by by example by words by by being so well, dedicated and devoted to you and your mom can you give an example oh gladly he would come to every one of my football games when i was in high school and what he had another restaurant before he married my mom and Unfortunately, he worked so much, he didn't get to know his other family. And he decided that when he married my mom, that he and she were going to be a part of our lives. And they opened the restaurant for just breakfast and lunch so they could be home at dinner with us mm. to, to raise us, to, to be a part of our lives. And uh, he, you know, up until he was 90 years old, he basically worked, or 89, you know, he would come into the restaurant and at this point, I'd already taken over the business, and he allowed me. He was egoless, and I say that because, mm -hmm. you know, when you have a business and you want to run that business, you want things done your way. And he allowed me the creativity to grow the restaurant to what it is today. And he he looked at me one time. And he says, "I know this is your restaurant, but I'm going to tell you what I think." And I thought that's the most invaluable. Uh, asset that I have is his knowledge wow. and his love, Wow, his love. He loved, he loved my mom. He loved, I feel his love every day though. Now, five years after his passing, I, he is, uh, he left an indelible mark on my family and myself. And I, one that I have been able to leave on my kids and my wife and my family. Wow. Paul, you know, it's interesting. I've been. Let me I've, say, wait, I've let been me let, hold, hold on, hold finish, on, Doc. Finish up, finish hold up, on, Doc. Paul, we appreciate you, my friend, for calling in and sharing your testimony. Means a lot to have a stepfather. When we come forward, we're going to jump back into our discussion with Dr. Mark Goulston. Paul came in and testified about fatherhood and the positive impact it can have. When we come forward. 
More from Dr. Mark Goulston on the Voice of Reason. Run the streets so long, then the streets run you into the ground and gone. Kind of rough trying to teach you what's right from wrong. Same, same, different day, it's the same old song. If the time ever comes that I meet my match, get control of my assets. I said, starting from scratch. Take care of your mother, keep yourself on track. Just because this is get behind you, don't mean they got your back. Be where the serpent at the time. He's on fire tonight. It's the voice of reason with Zoe Williams exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. Come on, man. That's Nas, man. Papa was a player. You already hear my playlist is in alignment with tonight's topic. The first song we played was The Foundation by Exhibit. These are all songs that are talking about the father's impact. What are the effects of an emotionally absent father on a daughter? In what ways do good daddies disappoint us? Why is it so difficult to recognize that the father wound is at the core of our relationship problems? How is a dad supposed to treat his son or daughter? How is dad, uh, or excuse me, What does an emotionally absent father look and feel like? 1-800-920-1580. My good friend, legendary psychiatrist, world-renowned author, Dr. Mark Goulston, is in the building. Doc? That's an awful lot, but uh, would you permit me to, uh, with you, save a few lives tonight? Let's do it. Um. So, uh, you know, one of my specialties, I'm retired now and I, I teach around the world, but one of my specialties was suicide prevention, and none of my patients killed themselves in 30 years. So I've been trying to teach the world what I learned, and, uh, and a, a, I partnered with a person who's become a, a brother to me like you are, and his 14-year-old son died by suicide five years ago, and he has a documentary out called What I Wish My Parents Knew, because it's what he wished he'd known five years ago, but he was too late. And he interviews uh, seven teens about their low points. And part of the presentation, so here's where we're going to save some lives if you're listening in, and this could be if your mom listening in or your dad listening in. Uh, these are what we call the four prompts to open up a teenager uh, that you're worried about. And you do this while you're doing an activity, while you're driving, because one thing about teenagers they can't stand heart-to-heart talks that they don't initiate. It is nails on a chalkboard. Trust me on that. But uh, but when you're doing an activity, like you're doing an errand or you're driving somewhere, this is the script, and you can modify it. And uh, you can be a dad, you can be a mom, either way, but we're going to save some lives tonight. Is While you're driving, you say, uh, um, you know, a lot of us parents are worried about our kids. You know, because we don't know about the pandemic and everything and the shootings and everything. And I'm one of those parents. Can, can I just run a few things by you? So hopefully they'll say, okay. I mean, they're a captive audience. I mean, here are the four prompts. Uh, first one, uh, and you're driving, so you're not making that, uh, that invasive eye contact. You say, at its absolute worst, how awful and how angry are you capable of feeling about your life yourself? Hmm. You're going to say, what? At its absolute worst, how awful and how angry are you capable or depressed are you capable of feeling about your life yourself? And they might say, well, pretty awful. 
and you drill down and say, pretty awful, very awful, okay, okay, very awful, and you get them to talk about it because you're wanting to get stuff off their chest. Second prompt, and when you're feeling that awful, or that angry, or that depressed, how alone do you feel? Pretty alone. Pretty alone or all alone? Okay, okay, all alone. And you get them to talk about that. Then the third prompt is, take me to the last time you felt that. And they're going to say, what? Or they're going to say, WTF? And you say, yeah, was it in the middle of the night a few nights ago? Heard you walking around your room. And what was that about? And something magical happens, though, that when they can describe something so clearly that you can see it with your eyes, they refeel it. So mm-hmm. when they're saying, yeah, I was walking around, I couldn't get back to sleep, and I had an exam the next day. Wow, wow. Then what happened? I couldn't get back to sleep. I didn't know what to do. So what did you do? I felt like kicking the wall, punching the wall. What, what happened next? I looked around for some cough medicine, couldn't find it. Then what? Well, then the sun rose. And so, but they're, but they're not alone as they're telling you what they went through. And then the fourth prompt, if you're lucky, you've earned the right to eye contact. And you, and you pull over to the side of the road mm-hmm. and you say, look at me. i got a favor to ask you. And it's more than a favor, but we'll call it a favor. And you look them in the eye and you say, uh, going forward, whenever you're feeling that way, or even just heading down that road, I want you to do whatever it takes to get your mom or your dad or my undivided attention. Because my mind and your mom's mind is on a million things, and there's nothing more important than helping you feel less alone when you feel that awful, that angry. Would you do that for me? Mm-hmm. And, and and hopefully they'll say yes. But do you, but do you see what you're doing? You're 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 piercing the pain, which is enabling them to take the hit because you're going to walk them through it. And by the way, if they then come up to you and say, Dad, it's happened again, don't rush in to give them advice. Mm-hmm. Keep them talking. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're lucky, by the way, if you keep them talking and they start to cry, that's good because they're mm-hmm. feeling relief because it's off their chest and they're not alone. So don't either get scared that they're crying or ye- or yell at them, man up. Uh, you you, you want to drain the abscess, mm-hmm. and you might actually save a life. Wow. And, and, and crying is part of draining the abscess. It's almost like totally. you're, you're embracing their tears, and you're allowing them the safe space to be able to just really express. You said something that was quite profound, and that was uh, earned their eye contact. Can you talk more about the process of earning eye contact? Well, uh, one of the things I'm trying to teach the world, and I have a podcast called My Wake Up Call, and I have a new radio show in London uh, on UK Health Radio. It's a weekly radio show, and it's called Hurt Less, Live More with JJ, my co-host, and Dr. Mark, because one of the things that we believe is happening. You tell me if you think it's true. We think the world is, has a global phobia against feeling hurt or fear. And instead it runs the coping mechanisms like drinking, eating, 
fentanyl, getting angry, road rage that make it worse. Right. And then what happens is there's a cumulative buildup of all this hurt and fear. And when you can actually share it with someone who can, who can uh, hear you all the way through and enable that to come out, what happens is you cry with relief. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead, Doc. I'm, I'm with you. We are listening to you intently, good sir. <laughs> well, uh, well, well, something that I learned to do, and, and, uh, and I think and the reason we're doing this show, uh, this show with you and the show in uh, UK Health Radio, Hurt Less and Live More, is, uh, and you've probably known this about me, Zoe, and this is why we're close, uh, amongst other reasons. I, I listen completely for hurt, and my, my purpose is to alleviate it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't listen to make someone rich or successful. There's lots of people that do that. And when I'm with people and I'm listening to them, if I pick up something is bugging them, and there's always something bugging someone, uh, I'll, I'll just uh, pivot from whatever we're talking about, and I'll say, can we put a bookmark on what we're talking about? Because there's something more important that's bugging you. Mm-hmm. What is that? And, uh, and I'll be unrelenting. Mm-hmm. And they'll refuse, and I'll say, you know, uh, I'm sorry you said that because now it's screaming at me to be heard. So what is it that's eating away at you? And what happens is they start to share it. And when they share it, they start to kind of calm down. They feel some relief. And that's how I live in the world. And that's what I'm trying to teach the world is that uh, if you listen for hurt and fear in these stressed out time, it's always there. And if people feel you listening for their hurt and fear without judgment, and you know that when they're able to express it, um, they're going to feel better. Now, this is powerful. Yeah. This is powerful. Hold on. Listen for hurt. Because a lot of people, this is the first, for a lot of people, this is the first time they've ever heard that term. How exactly does one tune their ears to listen for the hurt in what someone is saying? Because sometimes people don't recognize you're hurting. Sometimes people don't project their pain, even though the pain is there. You'd have to see something demonstrative like tears or or something like that. How does one dial in and tap into someone's hurt while they're listening? Well, there's something I learned from a friend of mine who was the was the COO of the Marines in the 90s, and and we were involved in a transition program from 2007 to 2008, and uh, for transitioning Marines, and. Uh, and he taught me the magic of something called the five realies. And so what these Marines valued most was their one-on-one uh, time with General Marty Steele, my friend. Mm-hmm. And, and when he'd be speaking to them, he'd say, Marine, how you doing? Well, it's different being an active duty and home. It's different. Yeah, I understand that. But what's really going on? Well, you know, people at home, they don't get what it's like when you've been in a war zone. And it's real, you know, kind of stressful. 
well, I understand that, but what's really going on? And he said when he hit the fifth wheelie with some of them, because he wouldn't let go, they'd stare him in the eye and they'd say, sir, I saw and did horrible things. And when I close my eyes, I see them more vividly so I don't close my eyes much, sir. Wow. And then he would give them a direct order because he'd hit the bottom line and he'd say, look, if you're a Marine and active duty, we all saw and did horrible things. And I'm giving you a direct order to put that aside because you have earned your right to a life. And he got letters and letters from spouses saying, you know, you saved my spouse's life with that conversation. So you can use the five relays. So that's that's one technique. And just listen, there's lots of other techniques. But, you know, when you're speaking to someone, it just comes, you know, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but what's really going on? Five and then they might reels. get angry at you. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hold tight, Dr. Goulston. Listen, when we come forward, we're going to get more jewels from my good friend, Dr. Mark Goulston, author of the international best-selling book, Just Listen. This man goes around the world to teach the world how to listen. When we come forward, more from the doc. Is it good to you? Good to you? More Voice of Reason with Zoe Williams when we come forward. Come forward. Please don't forget my playlist is my co-host. This classic record from 1991, Ed O.G. and the Bulldogs, Be a Father to Your Child. Tonight's topic is about fatherhood, the fatherhood wound, the father wound, right? How is a dad supposed to treat his children? Can you be a provider, right, when it comes to material things, uh, money, Backpack, shoes, clothes, food, shelter, the whole nine yards, but be emotionally absent. What mental health issues are caused by the absent father? What is the spiritual meaning of the father wound? What what might having an angry or emotionally distant father, how might that impact his relationship with his daughter? Or his son. Oh, man, we're on fire tonight. Dr. Mark Goulston is on the line. Dr. G, get back in here, brother. I'm going to share a wound that I healed with my dad 25 years after he died. Can I share that with you? Yes, you can, brother. I collect quotes. And there was one quote that knocked every other quote that I'd ever collected off the table. And I got it from a Dr. Shawnee Duperon. She's in Toronto, and she founded with Desmond Tutu Project Forgive. And her quote, you better write this one down because it's a, it's a game changer, is forgiveness is accepting the apology you will never receive. Ooh, that is at the core, Daddy Issues. Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah, and she, and she told me that. My head almost fell off. And then my dad uh, died in 1995, and he could be a little on the critical side. And I, and I realized that he was critical mainly out of fear, whether he could provide for the family, and he did the best he could. But when it came out, he could be critical, and I didn't know it was built on top of fear. And one of the things that he used to say, uh, because as you know, I'm a little bit uh, 
uh, I, I'm somewhat creative in my thinking, but my dad was not a creative person. He was a numbers person. Mm-hmm. And whenever I came up with something wacky, and I've been doing that all my life, he would he would say to me, uh, what makes you think you know anything about anything? Mm. A real put-down. And I took it as a put-down. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard that, forgiveness is accepting the apology you'll never receive, this is what I imagined him telling me, which I swear he would feel from where he is hopefully resting in peace. He said, remember when I used to say, what makes you think you know anything about anything? I was talking about myself. And I, I know a lot about numbers, but there's a lot about life that I didn't know. And it kept me distant from your brothers and you and from your mom. And I'm the one who missed out. And whenever you came up with something creative that made me feel scared because it was something I didn't understand, and when I said that to you, I was talking about myself, but what you have done with your life, the lives you have touched and saved, I don't deserve you as my son. Mm. And I'm sorry. Mm. And I'm I'm just prouder of you than you can imagine. And here's what I realized with this amazing apology. What I realized is that he would say that to me, and I realized I owed him an apology to make it full. And I said, you know, I owe you an apology. Uh, Even though I should know better, I've had a chip on my shoulder. I've held a grudge. uh, And I should have known this. I mean, I'm the shrink in the family. And I should have known better, and I didn't. And I apologize for holding that against you. And you did the best you could. You know, you never beat us. You were an alcoholic. You were decent to my mom. And I can finally say the six words that I've never been able to say or feel, which are, I love you, and I miss you. My God. Hey man, hey listen, Doc, hold tight, man. We need we need a moment. We need a moment. Just give us a moment, Doctor G. When we come forward, more from my big brother, psychiatrist Doctor Mark Goulston. Joy into your life. You could still be called daddy if the mother's not your wife. Don't be scared. Be prepared. Cause love is gonna get you. It'll always be your child, even if she ain't with you. So don't front on your child when it's your own. Cause if you're right now, then you'll regret it when it's grown. Be a father to your child. KBLA 1580 accountability the voice of reason hey everybody today i want to talk about daddy issues i I feel like this term is thrown around a lot many people have created sometimes very funny memes about it and when someone dates an older male 
People claim that they're doing it because they have quote-unquote daddy issues. Or if someone enjoys casual sex, they give the same reasoning. But what does it mean to have daddy issues? Is it even a real thing? And how can we overcome them if we're struggling? Now, first, I think it's important to know that daddy issues is not a diagnosable mental illness, and it's not even a term that was ever used in any of my psychology classes or continuing education courses. The reason for this is because any quote-unquote issues that we may have with our caregivers, and when I say caregivers, it's like our mother, our father, or even our aunt, grandparent, even nanny for a lot of people, all of those issues that we can have with those people is boiled down to attachment. So instead of calling these struggles daddy issues, we should really call them attachment issues because that's what they truly are. And not to mention that when people use the term daddy issues, it's usually done as a way to minimize or simplify someone's past pain or upset. So truthfully, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the term. Now, to briefly explain attachment, although I have an entire video about it that I will link in the description if you want to learn more. But for the sake of this video, just know that there are four attachment styles. Secure attachment, insecure avoidant, insecure ambivalent, and disorganized. And if we had a caregiver that came when we cried and supported us emotionally as we needed, we would grow up to have a secure attachment. And while we can have experiences in our life that will affect how we interact with other people, for the most part, we will have healthy attachment to others. If we had a caregiver that maybe wasn't there for us at all, or was sometimes but not consistently there, or they were abusive, if any of that is going on, we can have one of the other three styles, which makes it hard for us to have healthy relationships as we grow up. Because frankly, we don't know what a healthy relationship looks like, or if we can trust other people to be there for us, or how to feel safe and okay on our own or with others, because some of it we can swing from either preferring to be alone or preferring to be with others, depending on how we reacted to our parents' lack of proper parenting. Unfortunately, when it comes to... Woo-wee! She's an LMFT. What's her name again? I forgot her name. I'm sorry, but I was watching the video and I was taking in all of her information. What was her name again? Katie Martin. Morton. Katie Morton. LMFT, Dr. Goulston, we had to give you a little break. I heard you getting emotional. I know you a Pisces. I know your birthday just passed. So you're getting a little emotional. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to give you a little breather. You were talking about your father, brother. But what do you think of Katie's thoughts here? Oh, I, I think she's right on. Uh, and, you know, there's a fellow named Eric Erickson, and he spoke about the psycho social levels of development in our personality and at the core at the bottom of who we are uh the 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 core stage is basic trust or basic mistrust and when you feel basic trust and safe when you go into life the uh the life and the unknown is an adventure to be lived hmm. But when you but when you're but you, when you don't feel trust, when you uh, feel three of those four stages that she talked about of attachment, uh, you see the unknown as a danger to be avoided. Right, right. And so and when and so when you have at your core basic trust, uh, 
Um, you go where you're looking because you dare to be curious, but when you don't have basic trust, you look where you're going because you're informed by uh, by caution. I, I'll share an anecdote that uh, I think Katie would uh, uh, relate to, and I think some of your female listeners. I remember years ago I was uh, I had an African American uh, black female. Uh, client, patient, and uh, she was terrific. I mean, she was take no prisoners. She was just, uh, you know, really a high achiever, you know, but something was missing. Why would she be seeing a psychiatrist? And, And one day she came in and I said, I just figured out what you're most afraid of. And it's not rejection, criticism, being put down. You don't like any of those, but you're kind of used to those in the world. And she and she had a lot of makeup on, a beautiful young woman. And she stuck her chin out at me and she said, so what am I afraid of? Hmm. And I looked her right in the eye and I said, what you're afraid of is feeling unconditionally safe, unconditionally loved, and there's nothing you can do to earn it and there's nothing you can do to lose it. And she she looked at me. She paused, and then her eyes started to water, and then they started to fill with tears, and she started sobbing, and then she collapsed uh, to her side on the couch there, and she just started sobbing for five minutes. And I know something about the space of, of, of people, and I knew she'd be okay. And after five minutes, she gets up, all her mascara is on all over her face. She looks She looks like the Joker from Batman. Everything's all over her face. Mm-hmm. And, and she has a big smile. Her eyes are bloodshot. She seems 10 pounds lighter. And I said, what's that all about? She said, you hit a nerve that was so deep uh, that I couldn't even feel it other than it was totally true. In all my life, I have swept things under the carpet to cope mm-hmm. and I cope and the carpet's pretty lumpy and I know two speeds in life pedal to the metal or totally exhausted and I'm tired that's all I know pedal to the metal don't mess with me or totally exhausted and I just don't know how to feel peace mm. You broke the dam with that question, though. Yeah, so can you track with that? Because I don't think just women feel that way. I mean, men have a different kind of veneer, but I think a lot of men will relate to that, that all they know is pedal to the metal. That is masculine. That is manhood. That's masculine. That's Mm -hmm. that's why we die earlier than women. That's that's why we, we work so hard. And sometimes, you know, like I know, we put emotions on the shelf so that we can keep going we don't have time to feel totally right and we push them away i uh, during the pandemic i co-authored two books with this incredible woman who was the former ceo of long beach memorial hospital she led it through the uh, uh, double homicide and suicide by an employee of the month just a strong amazing woman and one of the books we wrote was why cope when you can heal and it's for healthcare workers, how to heal from the pandemic. And in that book, that's out, Why Cope When You Can Heal, 
what we wrote about is that when you're a healthcare worker or a first responder uh, and you see what you see, you have what we you develop what we call the the horror terror uh, fragile trifecta, which means you're seeing all these horrors that you that you are duty bound to sort of fight through. And then when you take a break, you go back to your apartment and the terror wants to seep in. But then you push it away because you have to wake up the next day because you have to be there because your, your peers would be there. You can't let them down. And so what happens is you push them down and you push them down to cope. And you're running on adrenaline. And adrenaline insulates you from the horror and terror. But then when the danger goes away, the adrenaline insulation goes away. And it feels like all those feral alley cats that you pushed into a locked cellar to deal it feels like they want to burst through and eviscerate you because mm. the adrenaline is no longer there to insulate you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so what we're doing with first responders and veterans is we're creating pilot programs where they share going through all those stages you know the horror the terror feeling fragile, feeling duty-bound, they had to go back to work, and then being able to go from feeling fragile to superhuman because, you know, they don't know how they're going to make it through the next shift. And they were, some of them were up 48 hours in a row, and they, and they think, I'm superhuman, but you're not. No. And then when the, and then when the danger goes away, it's, look, it's like a super athlete. When you're running on adrenaline and testosterone, you can play a quarter in the NBA on a broken leg until uh, until the game's over. Until the game is over, and then it swells up That's on right. you. <laughs> right, right. That's right. Dr. G, really quickly, how can people follow you? Are you still on social media like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? Where do they go yeah, I, to get their daily dose I, I, of Dr. Goulston? Dr. G, okay, so uh, I have a podcast called My Wake Up Call. It's uh, in the top 0.5% globally. It's in 40 countries with no social media. I don't have a social media team because I'm too old. So <laughs> my wake-up call, you can check that out. You can go to Hurt Less, Live More. That's our weekly radio show in London. Uh, uh, LinkedIn is pretty up-to-date. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I have a uh, website, markgoulston.com. And uh, my, my, my greatest passion, though, is stopping teen suicide and helping teen mental health. So I'm partnering with uh, Jason Reed, who's 14-year-old son, killed himself. And you can go to tellmystory.org because that was one of the suicide notes his son left. Mm -hmm. Let me say this, Dr. G. I love you. I appreciate you for all the years of your uh, mentorship, all the years of learning from you, listening to you, you coming to the show, Man, you changed my life. You, you've you healed my heart in many ways. I still got a long, 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 long way to go. But you got me off to a great head start. I appreciate you, brother. You are definitely a rock star when it comes to psychiatry and philosophy and psychology. And just you're a great human being, man. And I love you and I miss you. And I thank you for coming in here. Well, thank you. <laughs> and I'll leave you with a funny thing. When we did the Zoe What Morning Show, I remember Jeff Brown, mm-hmm. who I miss, uh, <laughs> along with you, is Bobby Glanton-Smith and everyone. Yes. And I remember Jeff looked at me and he said, Dr. G, 
you know, because of you, I'm going to have to think differently about white men. Yeah. <laughs> and I said on the show, and I said, I said, Jeff, don't rush to do that so quickly because white men don't like me either. <laughs> oh, man. Dr. G. Hey, man, whenever you want to come back, you just send me a text and I will get you on, brother. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the legendary Dr. Mark Goulston, author of Just Listen, international best-selling author man i just man i'm just so blown away that he was able to carve out a little time for us today we appreciate him listen when i come forward i'm going to the phone lines because the conversation that dr g and i were having was so rich i'm sorry callers for putting you on hold this long soon as i come forward i'm coming right to you The reasons that we're here, the reasons that we fear, our feelings won't disappear. Disappear. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Zoe Williams on KBLA Talk 1580. You know you want some more. More. It's The Voice of Reason with Zoe Williams on KBLA Talk 1580. Check it out. I call it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for my brothers with daughters, I call this, for my brothers with daughters, I call this, for my brothers with daughters, I call this, for my brothers with daughters, I saw my daughter send a letter to some boy her age who locked up, first I regretted it, then caught my rage, like, how could I not protect her from this awful fate, never tried to hide who I was, she was taught and raised like a princess, but while I'm on stage, I can't leave her defenseless, plus she see me switching women, pops was on some pimps, she heard stories of her daddy thugging So if her husband is a gangster, can't be mad, I love him Never for her, I want better Homie in jail, dead dad Wait till he come home, you can see where his head's at God game, they be trying to live He seen your mama crib, plus I'm sure he know who your father is Although you real, plus an honest kid Don't think I'm slow, I know you probably had that chronic lid You 17, I got a problem with it She look at me like I'm not the cleanest father figure But she rockin' with it for my brothers with daughters, I call this family and friends. So step number two, after tell the radical truth, is be willing to give up the story about who daddy was, who daddy wasn't, how your life would have been had he been there, what you didn't have because he wasn't there, what you could have had had he been there. Just be willing to give the story. To take, and whatever your story is, whatever it has been, I want you to break it down into a simple sentence. Daddy gone. <laughs> Excuse me. Can we put a can we put a verb in no, there? No, you don't need a verb. There's no need for a verb. Hello. You don't even need to buy a vowel. <laughs> Daddy go. Daddy go. Or if you Dad. prefer, Daddy is gone. <laughs> A lot of you are mothers, and I hope that for your own sons, who you are covering for, who are not handling their business with their children, I hope you recognize that you're playing a role in this right now. That 51 years later, that woman is still hurting because somebody's mother didn't check their son to go and handle his business. Okay. 
Okay. Talk the talk, Reverend Steve Perry. But, but you know, really, that, that, that's you playing the role because of the story you tell yourself that I don't want to upset him or I don't want them to feel what I, whatever the story is. So here, the real healing is, is tell the radical truth, tell about what you feel. Then I want you to tell your story. I want you to tell it in full-blown living color that you would submit to Spielberg. Then if you have five pages, I want you to break that down to one page. Then I want you to break that down to a half a page. Then I want you to get your fantasy story about daddy down to 10 words or less. Mm. Really? Daddy or two, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we on fire. The Voice of Reason kicks off Monday, March 27th, 2023, with nothing but flames. How does the father wound affect our intimate relationships? And the powerful thing was, it's not really daddy issues, it's attachment issues. Dr. Goulston says, your father teaches you how to take a hit. But not only does he teach you how to take a hit, he takes the hit with you. Really quickly. My mother lost me and my brothers to, and, and sisters to foster care. And it was tough. I was a 10-month-old baby, I think. I was a baby baby. And lost to foster care. My father, nor his side of the family, came to get us or prevented that from happening. But not only that, my mother's side of the family didn't prevent that from happening. Big Mama was right down the, down the way. She was still, well, no, Big Mama was in, in, in California at that time. But my grandfather, my mother's father, we, we had a tremendous amount of people in Chattanooga. But our side of the family, or my mama's side of the family, didn't show up. So lucky for me, me and my brother, this is where I got the 10-month piece from, me and my brother, who is 10 months older than I am, lucky for us, we landed with the Bynums. And James Bynum became my father. I didn't know him as anything else. I didn't know him as foster father or stepfather. I just knew him as dad. And what was amazing about him, he was one of them old school men. One of them old school men. His job was upholstery. He'd take an old couch and turn it into a new couch in his garage. And he delivered serious ass whoopings. But he was a loving father. He was married to Mary Bynum who couldn't have children. And we were some of the last foster kids they had. They had over 50. But we were some of the last foster kids that they got. And they didn't want to give us up. Now, 
we get sent back to the projects once we get to a certain age. I'm I'm five and my brother is six. We know nothing about the projects. But my older siblings who had already been returned, their father didn't come get them and their side of the family didn't come get them. The only sibling that I had whose family showed up and grabbed her was my middle sister. I ain't going to say her name, but her people showed up and was like, come on, let's go. So when I get back to the projects, I get educated on who my real daddy was. A military man. Tall, dark brother. Every time I saw the episode of the Six Million Dollar Man where he fights Bigfoot. My memories is my dad looked like Bigfoot. Big tall dude, long hair, thick beard. I said, that's my father, Bigfoot. I'm being funny. But the stories my, my brothers and sisters told me about my biological father were frightening. He rolled up on they daddy. This is my woman. Get up out of here. Right? He was, a, I guess he was a military man. They say he was an MP. You understand? Aggressive, aggressive, violent. Tried to rape my oldest sister when she was six. Tried to penetrate her. Stuffed her in a closet full of mice because she wouldn't let him in. He was violent. Come to find out, the rumor is he was born the day before me. Right? Violent. Beating up my brothers. You know, abusing my sisters. My middle sister, she had an outlet out of the project. She could always go to her daddy's side because her grandmother always looked out for her. Come scoop her. It's getting crazy. My father was a monster. I saw him a couple of times. Every time I saw him, it wasn't about us, his two kids, that he fathered with my mother. It wasn't about us. You know what it was about? It was about sex with my mom. And many times I walked in on him having sex. On purpose. Is this what you here to do? Wrestle? He come give me a couple dollars every now and again. When I come forward, I'll give you the rest. Call this for my brothers with daughters. I call this not saying that our sons are less important. Yeah. This morning I got a call, nearly split my wig The social network said, Nas, go and get your kids She's on Twitter, I know she ain't gon' post no pic Of herself underdressed, no inappropriate right? Her mother cried when she asked Said she don't know what got inside this child's mind She planted a box of condoms on a dresser Then she Instagrammed it At this point I realize I ain't the strictest parent I'm too loose, I'm too cool with her Should've drove more time to school with her I thought I dropped enough jewels on her Took her from private school so she can get He's on fire tonight. It's the voice of reason with Zoe Williams exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. 
You're listening to the Voice of Reason with the Zoe Williams. Voice of Reason with Zoe Williams. Only on KBLA Talk 1580. The most amazing feeling I feel. Words can't describe it, but the feeling for real. Baby, I paint the sky blue. My greatest creation was you. You. Starts, uh, all made better by the sound of your heart. Yeah, all the pain of the last time. I prayed so hard it was the last time. Your mama said that you dance for her. <laughs> Did you wiggle your hands for her? Glory, glory, glory. Sorry, everything that I prayed for. God's gift, I wish I would have prayed more. God makes no mistakes, I made a few Rough sledding here and there, but I made it through I wreak havoc What up, family? Your brother Zoe Williams is back in the building I'm here to testify Fatherhood was my exorcism After being raised by a good man and then taken away and sent back to the projects and discovering the truth of who my father was, the monster that he was. I was lost for many, many years. My mother was wise enough by the time I was in the third grade to get us away from him. She was wise enough to get us away from him. Reggie, call back, Reggie, call back. My mother was wise enough to get us away from him. And in 79, she brought us to Pasadena, Altadena, where we went to school. My uncle was a teacher there, an English teacher at the school, and we started to shift and change. But those demons were still with me. They were still with me. He was a monster. I talked to him for the last time in 1984. And I cursed him out for all of the stories that I had heard from my brothers and sisters. The raping, the beating, the mistreating of our mother. I, I said, man, I, I can't talk to you, dog. I don't want to talk to you. That was the last time I ever heard from him. And I was cool with that. Until 2018, my spiritual practice said you got to get in contact with your father's side and the ancestors on your father's side who are here to help you, but you got to connect to them. By 25, I started having kids. By 32, I had three, I think. 25, 29, 32, yeah. There you go. I had three. And those children exercised the demons. Why? Because they woke the demons up. I realized I can't be James Gus Lewis. I can't be him. I got to be somebody else. I cannot be who my father was. I can't be that guy. All of the anger, 
All of the abandonment issues, all of the pain, all of the hurt was in me. Here I am as a, as a, as a preteen throwing rocks at my great-grandmother. Do you understand? To see my two oldest kids with high-level degrees, college grads, to see my youngest following the path of being an artist, a rapper, alive and well and thriving, to see them love on me and appreciate me for the dad I was for them. I was the mentor dad for my kids. I wasn't perfect. I had my moments where I let them down, where I disappointed them. But they mattered so much to me and it mirrored back to me what I needed to work on, what I needed to deal with. And I've been dealing with it intensely ever since they were born. The demon that was my father was the demon I discovered in myself. And I knew if I don't want to transfer this demon to these kids, I got to give them something substantive, something from my spirit. And I, to this day, I'm going to tell you the truth. To this day, I don't know how good or bad of a job I did. I see flashes of the demon in them too. But they exercised part of it out of me. <laughs> Do not transfer the demon. Oh, Lord. Let's, I'm sorry, y'all. This topic got me on one tonight. My daughter is actually looking for my father right now. Scouring Ancestry.com. She looking. Let's get granddad up in here. Is he alive? Is he dead? Do you have siblings? Daddies matter, man. They can change the trajectory of where a young girl or a young boy can go. And don't think just because your daddy is not in the house that a daddy in the house can't be absent. 1-800-9-2015-8. Let's get to the callers. Who's been on the longest? Janet from Ohio. Janet, get in here. Hello. Hey, Janet. Welcome to the show. What are your thoughts? Well, just listening to that, it's just, wow. Um, I don't know. I got a lot of thoughts on it. Um, my dad, uh, I was a daddy's girl when I was little. Um, then uh, my mom and dad started getting into it. My brother came along nine years later, and I don't know what the dynamic was between him and my mom, but it wasn't good. And <clears throat> my dad actually tried to teach me some good stuff, but, you know, like about credit and, and whatnot and working hard. And like my mom stepped in and then, um, you know, I'm, I'm white. I started dating black guys and, um, he didn't, he didn't like that. They didn't like that. Um, not, they were, I never heard a racist thing out of them, you know, ever before my whole life, but they just didn't like their daughters dating a black guy. But um, as as I got older, even in high school, before I started dating black guys, <clears throat> you know, my dad, because my mom kind of pushed her way in and 
whatever overrode him. He kind of just took a step back, like he didn't want to deal with it. So I, I learned, um, like to the guys I dated or went out with or whatever. Um, I learned to do, to get, I was looking for a, a man's love and I did whatever these boys wanted me to do thinking that they'll love me, you know, which of course later on I found out is the exact opposite of what, you know, that's going to make them love you. No, that's not going to make them love you. Um, and, uh, got myself, um, I, I, I paid my way through three years of college, didn't finish, but I met a guy, um, he was a male dancer, um, got me into dancing and I kind of learned like, you know, the ins and out kind of self-taught myself what guys, you know, are about and what they're looking for and kind of what a good guy is and what a bad guy isn't. And, you know, it led me by not having my dad there, you know, saying, <clears throat> you know, I went through a lot of violent relationships, uh, domestic violence relationships. <clears throat> and <clears throat> by not having my dad there saying, you know, I always wanted, you know, my dad come in like, oh, what what did he do to my baby? Oh, no, that ain't going to happen. Let, what's his name? What's his name? Where did he live? You know, let me go take care of this. You know, ain't nobody going to hurt my baby. I, I never had that. That's what you and, were, That's what you were looking to get from the men you were dealing with, correct? Yeah. I got it. Yeah. I got it. Janet, let me say this. I appreciate you for calling in. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Listen, when we come forward, we going back to the phone lines. Reggie dropped again. Reggie, get back in here. And we got Fred. We got a few people calling in. Let us hear your story. I shared. Share with me. When we come forward, we still got a lot to talk about. Is it good to you? Good to you. More Voice of Reason with Zoe Williams when we come forward. You know you want some more. More. It's the Voice of Reason with Zoe Williams on KBLA Talk 1580. Yo, yo. I want to dedicate this song to Philip Arthur Harrison. Word up. Because he was the one who took me from a boy to a man. So as far as I'm concerned, he's my father. Because my biological Biological father left me in the cold When a few months old I thought a child was greater than gold But I guess not You brought me into this world But you're not my dad Mess around with them drugs Make my moms mad So we left you with no remorse or pity Took the first bus from North to Jersey City Women and child alone Now that's pressure Moms gotta go to work Drop me off by Odessa Mama, I'm Bibby Whoever, I'm Valma Roy, stuck together. Yeah. <laughs> Don't front on Shaquille O'Neal. Man, hey, Shaq was cold back in the 90s. Don't front. The voice of reason back in the building. Very powerful topic. We're winding it up. We're getting down to the nit- nitty gritty of it, the nuts and bolts. Uh, uh, I want to go with Fred. But Fred, I need you to keep it short and concise. Because Reggie called back three times, and we got to get Reggie in. Short and concise, Fred. Tell us what are your thoughts on tonight's topic. 
man, this subject is ugly as hell, man. Come on now. <laughs> we got to talk about it. Fred, we got to talk about it. Hey, man, who want to admit that their dad wasn't hitting on the hill of beans, man? I want to say it the other way. But don't you, don't you know, say it the other the way. Air. Yes, right. Yeah, but who want to admit that, man? Sometimes you got to you in know, order to all, let it go. In order to let the story yeah, go, sometimes but, you got to admit it, Fred. Yeah, but you know, in today's society, everybody want to say they had a, ch- a happy childhood. But the reality is, some of y'all didn't. You know, and I, I ain't trying to sit up here and, and wave a flag like, oh, my dad was the greatest thing and all that. But my dad was there, and he was a man. I seen my dad cry. When he got a divorce, my dad cried because he didn't want to see his family break up. Wow. But, you know, my mom insisted on it. So guess what? What else could he do? And that's what a lot of men are facing now. We don't want our kids to be without a mom and a father in a house. We don't want no single mothers. Well, that's what I made sure. That's what I made sure. I made sure, okay, I'm going to be there. My daddy wasn't there, so I'm going to be there. And I was there until I didn't need to be there no more. These kids have grown, and they didn't went off and did what they needed to do. I made sure I'm a beater. So. Well, that's all you can do as a man. That's all you can do. That's right. So, so you know, I admit, hey, man, I had to get rid of both my sons. I had to put them out because I got standards and I got, you know, morals. I got you. And, and, and I admit, and, you know, like I said, one of my sons was a perv. So I had to tell that nigga, no, nigga. I, I oh, Fred. Hey. Come on, Fred. You know you can't say that on the radio, bro. What, pervert? Not pervert. The other word. Oh, perv? No. You know what, what you said, Fred. It's fine. It's... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fred, then Fred okay. act like he don't know what he said. Fred, we got to move to to Reggie now. Fred done got in here and flipped out. You know how Fred do. Reggie, Austin, Texas, get in here. Talk to me, man. I think there's another side to um, the father father wound. Um, it seems like I, I like uh, it seems like I, I um, draw people to me that are fatherless. Mm. Um, some of the patients I have with my with my work, as far as um, you know, the ministry that I have, as far as the women that I date. A lot of them have are without fathers, mm-hmm. and if you don't deal with it one way, you're gonna deal with it another way. Um, you know, I had, I had a father, strong father, still have a father, and it seems like I just draw people to me that don't have that. And um, I know I don't heal anybody or save anybody or whatever. I get that, but I deal with that energy, and it's tough to deal with, bro. Because it's like I gotta I gotta juggle everything coming to me. You know what I'm saying? And and I wish I could just get rid of that energy and I don't know how to do it. And that's why I called in. I I don't think you should get rid of the energy. I think the energy is there because you're a teacher. And you're probably drawing these souls to you because you have lessons to impart upon them. And oftentimes the gift we have for others is a burden unto ourselves i know i'm cursed with that for sure so maybe so maybe it's about you sharing whatever wisdom whatever insight you may have that they don't have at this moment because there are no accidental meetings there are there are no accidental intersections where people come together and exchange energy and thoughts and and vibe you understand what i'm saying 
I do. I mean, I get it. It's tough to deal with, though. It I, is. I understand the reality of it, but it's, I want to know how to deal with the energy. I'm just here to tell you, brother, meditation, mindfulness, prayer, right? You can mm -hmm. detox. There's a way to spiritually detox, and usually it's through prayer. It's through meditation. It's through mindfulness. It's through quieting the mind. That's a real situation. You have a power that you can discharge the energy that they bring to you via meditation, right? Hmm. That it, it, You can do it if you really got serious, like transcendental meditation. Kriya yoga hmm. is very powerful. If you would have got into something like that, you'll be able to discharge it. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I tried out. All right, good, Reggie. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you. Here, here are some qualities of a good father, man. Involvement. I tried to be involved. Me and my son, when I noticed he was hooping, you know, as a little youngster, 10 years old, the first game he had, he had 10 points and like 14 rebounds, and, his, and he was wearing, he was 10, and he had like a 12, 13 shoe or something. I said, oh, Lord. And I started taking him to the park. We go into the park every morning, you know. I was there. I was involved, you know. My daughter, she showed that she could draw. I used to draw. One day when I was 16, I just stopped drawing. But then I recognized that she could draw, and I tried to draw with her, you know. And she told me that I draw too perfect, and then she never drew with me again. Uh, compassion. Love on your kids, man. Praise your kids. Uplift your kids. You know, this is the hardest lesson I had to learn was value their mother. Because I didn't always value the women that gave me the three children that I have. The woman who gave me my two oldest, I didn't always value her. I value her now. I respect her greatly now. Because I couldn't have done a lot of the things that I was able to do without her support. I value her now. She is a trusted confidant and friend. And we were smart enough to get out of a toxic relationship for the betterment of our children. And we raised them well. And they killing right now. They doing their thing. You want to be a good father, you have to be empathetic. You have to be verbally expressive. You have to talk. You have to share. You have to be a human being. You have to show them that you're not perfect. You have to show them your flaws and how you're trying to navigate around them so they can have a blueprint. You have to be open about who you really are. All right. Otherwise. You're going to create kids that are possessive and clingy. They're going to be demanding and, you know, <laughs> they're going to be seeking love and reassurance and they're going to want, you know, sex. Sometimes it can be hypersexual. They're going to be afraid of being alone. It's a lot of stuff that comes out of broken dads. So if you've been blessed to be a father, please do the work, okay? All right, I started the conversation. You finish it. Up next, my brother, Danny Morrison. He's going to keep the fire lit. Zoe Williams, the voice of reason. I started the week off strong. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Because my biological didn't bother. Fifth, Bill made a promise. What's that?
<laughs> he joined the army. We moved to Fort Mama. Okay. KBLA 1580 Santa Monica.